We're a few minutes early, but that's all right. I don't think this was quite loud enough for Micah, but can you all hear me okay back there? I've got a little bit. Okay, thank you. I was telling somebody my first lesson sermon I ever preached, I was 24 years old. And it was a 30-minute lesson. I preached it in seven minutes. <laughs> so when I see these young guys, they're doing great compared to where, where, where I was. That's a fact. <laughs> he did a good job. Just a little bit hard to hear, but that, he did a wonderful job. Uh, before we get started, we're in Revelation chapter 21. <clears throat> and we will... Um, We'll, um, we'll, this morning and also Wednesday, we'll, we'll finish it up. So we'll have a short prayer before we get started. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for all your blessings. Such wonderful rain this week. You, you, you take care of your people. You take care of your creation. In this case, you take care of your desert, and we're so thankful for that. And thank you for hearing our prayers. Uh, thank you for Jesus most of all, and thank you for your word. And we uh, look forward to being with you one day in heaven and be with us through this Bible class. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> we had a brother here. He's dead now. His name was Glenn Joy. I remember here many years. And he was a concrete guy. Did a lot of work outside, obviously. And it was, we were having a rough time. It was kind of real dry. And <clears throat> elders, we were talking about praying for rain and all. And it started raining. And it rained and rained, and Glenn said, I'm going to go broke in my business if you don't stop praying for rain. <laughs> so <laughs> we still need more, but I'll never forget that about Glenn and what he, what he said that time. <clears throat> Chapter 21, 22. Revelation is a beautiful picture. Um, a, a couple of people asked me, said, could you... Uh, uh, elaborate a little bit more on uh, figurative and literal language. And I've been thinking about this that this week, and I came up with something I think just fairly simple, but and then we'll uh, elaborate on that a little bit. Frank died in the year 2000. Frank died in to sin in 1980. Now, when did Frank die? What determines when he died? The context. The context. What are you, what, what, what are the surroundings of your statements? And that determines whether it can be interpreted as literal or whether it can be interpreted as figurative. And I think most of us know that, but when we get, we get into chapter 21 and 22, and, and of course the whole book of Revelation, we, we know generally speaking it's, it's figurative. Um, there could be a few little disagreements, there's nothing, nothing major uh, on some of these interpretation, interpretations, but here's what we need to know and to remember in this context. Number one, Jesus spends very little time on the destiny of the lost. He spent his whole life on the earth worrying about the lost. But it comes a point where you're no longer, nothing you can do about it. 
In chapter 21 and 22, he's talking about the redeemed and the beauty of the redeemed and the relationships that we're going to have, Lord willing, with, with him one day. And then it's kind of like Lazarus in Luke 16. The, the rich man died and was buried. And then Lazarus died, and we have this elaboration of his uh, state. <clears throat> so in, in Revelation 21, now these are, these are symbolic symbols. Um, Frank died to sin in 1980. Symbolism, figurative, in the context of, of, of spirituality. So we're talking figuratively here, but yet figures mean something, or they wouldn't be here. So we're going to try to get some lessons that we can apply uh, to, to our minds here. Now, there's two verses got to read in order to set the stage for this. One, and, and I'd like for you, if you would, to turn back with me on this one. Uh, it's in um, Isaiah chapter 55. We, we know these verses, but Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. <clears throat> Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. I'll give you just a second to get there. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are, my, or, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So when, when we read uh, the book of Revelation, particularly 21 and 22, we have to understand that, that God is so much higher, his thoughts are so much higher, the heavens are so much higher, where he lives is so much higher, and, and that that we have to, un he has to word things in a way that we can understand. I mean, he could word, he could have worded these in spiritual concepts of how it really is there, and we would have gone, I don't get it. I don't understand it, because we're on the earth, we're physical. So he has to talk to us in physical terms. You see that? But we, we, he, and he does that in terms that, are, that our mind can grasp. You know, gold and jasper and, and all of these, the foundations and all that. Uh, we, you know, we have an architect here. He, we, we underst he understands more than all of us about foundation and the beauty of how the construction and how the Lord even, as we get to on Wednesday night, talks about, uh, you know, we... Heaven is as a perfect cube, if, if you'll get, allow me that. 1,500 miles, high, long, and wide. And then he talks about gates. God's are very proportional. He's very precise. So we can make some deductions on probably, possibly, perhaps, how big those gates were uh, and, and how thick the walls were. You know, if, if you've got... Um, uh, a city that's 1,500 miles high, you better have a pretty good foundation for those gates. So we'll talk about that, knowing, knowing that we're talking figuratively. But he's talking to us in languages that we can understand. It means something or wouldn't be there. I just can't dismiss this stuff like some do. I can't. It means something. So we're going to talk about that uh, as well. So... Um,
Also, if you would, look in. This is a good one in 1 John 3 and verse 2. 1 John 3, and I would put this out to the side uh, in Revelation 21, those two verses I gave you, if it was me. Uh, 1 John 3 and verse 2. This ties in with Isaiah 59 very well. The Apostle John, Jesus' best friend on the earth, says this, the same John that's writing the book of Revelation. Behold, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We don't and go to 1 Corinthians 15, almost the, at least the last half of the chapter. Um, we don't know what we're going to be. Our minds couldn't handle it anyway on this earth. But this we do know, we're going to be like him. Is that, is that enough for you? It's enough for me. We may disagree with a couple little things in Revelation 21, 22, but here's what I know. That 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to be changed in a twinkling of an eye. And 1 John 3, Isaiah, we're going to be just like him in a you know, spiritual kind of being who sees things and understands things through the eye of the, of the spirit, whatever body that's going to be like. We don't know. We couldn't handle it anyway if we knew. And remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12? He was caught up into the third heaven. Remember that? And he, what did he say? Somebody can help me out. I saw what? I saw such marvelous, wonderful things. I'd love to tell you about it. And God said, you cannot tell it. And just to make sure you don't tell it, what? I'm going to give you a, a thorn in the flesh. It was so bad that Paul asked three times for God to remove it. And what was God's answer? I'm not going to do it. My grace is sufficient for you. So had to lay that groundwork a little bit before we get into to Revelation chapter 21. Now, if you can walk away from 21 and 22 and, and not go, wow, wow, then, you know, it might be time to look in the mirror. But so we're talking about figurative stuff here, symbolic stuff that our little minds can understand. But what a beautiful picture it paints. Questions, comments, or any additions to that? Gary. Yeah, I would just add, I agree with everything you said. I just <clears> add that too often, sometimes we and the world just want to apply our culture and time to what's being said to these people of that culture. If we better understood their culture, we might better understand um, uh, that would help, for sure. That would help, for sure. I kind of divided this in Revelation 21 down to, and I, I call it three symbols. I don't know if that's the best word I could have used, but <clears throat> three symbols of heaven revealed. This is what we want to get out of chapter 21. This picture of fellowship with God. Fellowship with God. The picture of protection by God. The walls and all of that, protection by God. Angels at the gates, and so on. We'll, we'll get into that probably Wednesday night. Might, might touch on a little bit. 
and then description of, the, of a perfect city, of, 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 of heaven, if you will. So those are, the, those are our three goals to, to, to be able to glean out of this, that the fellowship with God, really the bottom line is what? When we make it to heaven. Who, he's there. What's it going to be like? I don't know. But are you going to be happy to sit at his feet and him to be among us? He said, that he's going to say in a little bit, the tabernacle of God is with men. The tabernacle is where people live. So God said, I'm going to live with you. Now, I'm still going to be God. We're not going to be next door neighbors and buddies, you know, because he's still God. But he's going to live among us. And he said, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my son. There's still a, still a relationship there, still a pecking order, if you allow me to use that. Uh, but we're going to be with him. Now, if that's all we knew, we could, we could just close this and, and have a good day. Because that is the bottom line. Don't, don't, you, don't you think that's true? And we won't want to come back. No, no. We're going to see in a, in a little bit with, you know, no tears and all, all of that. Um, Somebody says, you know, we, we, a lot of people go through life with a lot of issues, a lot of problems, a lot of health issues, and, and, it, and sometimes we look at it and we go, that just doesn't seem fair that they've got all those problems, and, and I don't, or I don't have as much. You know how long they'll remember those problems once they get on the other side? I don't know, two seconds? I, I, I don't know if it'll even be that long. And this will be just like a... a, a like a, a blip on the radar screen. You know, we've all, we have gone through tough times in our lives, and when you're going through them, it seems rough, doesn't it? And, and it, it, it can be rough. But when you look back 20 years or 30 years, that wasn't too bad. That wasn't too bad. And when you're laying on your deathbed, how many times, faithful Christians, have you ever... Uh, have you ever heard any of them ever say, one, have you ever heard one ever say, boy, I wish I had a waste of my life on that? You never will. But I've heard people say, I wasted my life serving Satan. Uh, Doug. That's true. It's, it's not even worth comparing, is it, Doug? It's not worth comparing. Now, when you're going through it, you're going, I may never get through this. But when you, when you, when you think of it in the spiritual, the long-term sense, and even when you, late, years later when you look back, say, well, I, I got through it. It wasn't that bad. Okay. A any other comments? Yes, ma'am. But, uh, we're that's a fair question, and I, there are people who are very, very smart, smarter than me in this, who, who differ on this. Now, this is what you asked me the question. Uh, I can't get past Luke chapter 16. Luke 16. Now, some would say, well, Jesus is talking in a parable there. Maybe he is. I don't think he is, but maybe he is. Parables never 
never contradict reality. Um, where you remember the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man fared sumptuously every day, and the crumbs fell from his table, and Lazarus was, was eating the crumbs, and he, he was in terrible shape physically. And the Bible says that <clears throat> the rich man died and was buried. Very terse, very short. And in Hades, he looked up, raised his eyes, and he saw Abraham and Lazarus. And Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, you know, in a, in a safe, wonderful place. Lazarus died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died, and he was buried. Bye-bye. Lazarus died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And remember the conversations. We're aware there. We're aware. Because the rich man's talking. So, well, you know, could you send an angel back? And because uh, I got, I got what's it, five brothers. I've got five brothers, and I don't want them to come here. He was aware. And he said, they've got, they've got the Bible, basically. I'm paraphrasing. They've got the Bible. That's all, that's all they're going to get. <clears throat> and he said, well, can you send Lazarus to me? I don't know. They could see it, see each other, cross. But he said, I can't. I won't because there's a great gulf that's fixed. Those that maybe want to go from here to there cannot and vice versa. So the, Hades, the word Hades means the, the, the realm of the of the uh, dead, the unseen. So I really think, I feel strongly that the Bible teaches <clears throat> when we leave here, when we die, the angels will carry us, if we're saved, to Abraham's bosom on the other side. And there we await the final resurrection, and then we all go into heaven at the same time. That's what I believe the Bible teaches. There are smarter people than me that, that, that don't always go. They think you go, okay, here's all I know. When we die and we're faithful, we're going to be just fine. But that's what I believe it, believe it teaches. Yes, thank you for that question. Uh, any other questions? Lance? Okay, that, make, that, makes, that, makes, that makes sense. I hope when we get through with 21 and 22, we'll say, I want to go there. 
and I don't want to miss it. And that whatever might be standing in your way needs to be removed. Needs to be removed in order that for us to go there. Chapter uh, 21, verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Now remember we talked about that 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3, when the Lord comes back, the work, this earth we live in, all its works are going to be burned up. That's, that, that's literal. That's what's going to happen. That, that's not figurative in 2 Peter 3. So when that happens, in other words, here, here's what I think the bottom line is. There's going to be a new order of things. There's going to be a new order of things at the end. And, and say so there's no more sea. Anybody want to take a stab at no more sea? Then I'll tell you what I think about it. But uh, when, when this new order of things happens, and in 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 2 Peter 3, and other places, this is going to happen quickly in the, in the twinkling of an eye, 1 Corinthians 15. And it, it's going to be very, very quick. Um, this no more sea, what do you think? Remember now, fellowship with God. I'll give you a little bit of a hint there. This, this, I think this C or this lack of C, this lack of separation, uh, when all this new order of things happens, what? The humanity that's saved. Because where they're going, there's not going to be any sea, and there's not going to be any God either. Is that, is that what you mean? No? No, I mean, Well, it can mean that. We, we saw, no, that's a good point, Margie. The, the sea, when you go back to what we've studied already, the sea can mean humanity. I see your hands. I'll get to you. Um, it can mean humanity, and it does early on. But yet, when you go back even to some of the Old Testament passages, this sea uh, is like a separation. And that's what I think he's talking about here. A separation that, you know, we, when you, you had a high priest and we had priests, you're not getting close to God now under the old law without someone advocating for you. High priest, once a year, priest, and so on. And they had the sea out front, the laver, where, where they washed and all that. Now, whether it's maybe stretching, I don't know. But there's not going to be any more separations. He's going to be our God, and, and, we, and we're going to be his, his people, and we're going to have fellowship with him, and our tabernacle's going to be, his tabernacle's going to be with us. I think that's what it means. But what Margie said was 100% right, that when you go back earlier, sea, figuratively, is humanity. James, Brother James. Okay, and we're going to see a little bit later. That's a good point. We're going to see a little bit later where um, we're going to have the tree of life, and that's this uh, uh, protection by God, uh, and, and we're going to have, there's going to be sunlight there, so to speak. Of course, the sun's going to be Jesus. 
and so on. So no, that, that's a good point. Um, Gary. Okay, could be. Yes, ma'am. Well, there's not going to be any more second chances. I don't know that I could prove it from that, but you're you're 100 right. There are no more second chances, and it's just passage after passage after passage. Um, you know, when you're dead, you're like Rover, you're dead all over. You, you, you're not going to have a second chance. And that's why, what does that imply very strongly? We better get it right while we're here. We got one shot. One shot. Sean, bail me out, brother. Uh, that, that's a great point, and uh, I'll come, Ryan. That, that's a great point, that God meant for, for people to be with him. And we see that in the Garden of Eden. That fellowship was broken. It was severed by sin. And it's taken 6,000 years or 7, 000, whatever it is, six or 7,000 years well, you go back 2,000, maybe about 5,000 years, 4,000, when Jesus came, and he mended that. He allows us, but then that perfect fellowship will be at the end on the other side. And so we've, we've had on a continuum, it went like this, it kind of went like that, and then we're coming back together at the end for that perfect fellowship again. It's a beautiful picture, Ryan. What flows from his throne, the picture? The pure river of the water of life. You've got to have water. Well, this is perfect water. You won't thirst again. And there's going to be a tree, tree of life, on the side of that water. And then we're going to have sunlight, so to speak, with Jesus, the light. Everything we need to sustain life is going to be there through God. Good, good, good points. Michelle. Will we be flesh or will we be spirit with transformational capacity? Question was, well, flesh and blood is not going to inherit heaven. But you notice that it doesn't say that the ones that are going to be lost in hell are going to have a new body. That's kind of interesting. God's not worried about them at that point. Gary. Okay. First Corinthians 15 says that we'll have a new body and says we don't know what it's going to be yet. Uh, but we'll have, we'll have a, we'll, he, he's going to, the, 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 the dead in the sea who are long gone, 
probably eaten by fish, who knows. He said, the sea's going to give up the dead. God put us together the first time, guess what? He can put it together the second time too. And death in Hades will give up its dead and we'll all be standing there before God to be judged. And then on the left hand, the goats will go into hell with the bodies they got. I don't know, maybe. You live for this world, you're a physical, then maybe that would be appropriate. That's his business. But, but, the, but the 1 Corinthians 15 says that we'll have a new spiritual body. What, I don't know what that is, but it's going to be marvelous, and it's going to be wonderful. Don, yes, sir. Got to go back to First Thess Thessalonians chapter four, since not everybody that these letters were written to needed the same information, but we need it all. We got to put the letters together. First Thessalonians chapter four makes mention of the fact that we are going to be transformed. Physical cannot be in the presence of God. Therefore, even though we are going to be raised with a physical body, that body can't go to God. It has got to be transformed into something Correct. which is described in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's further developed in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But the fact remains is that these physical bodies will lie in wait until he comes, then be raised up, bodily resurrection, instantly transformed to meet him in the air. Okay. And there we will ever be with that new body. And the only ones that know what that new body is is God. That's right. That's right. And he even goes on to say, remember, I know we're getting a little bit, but this is good. This is, I'm okay with this. We, we can finish it up on Wednesday night, not a problem. Uh, this is good stuff. That, remember also in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, now we've all probably in our lives, some of us grew up on the farm, some of us didn't. But we know what corn is, or wheat, or that kind of thing. And you, you drop up some corn in the ground. I don't see it. That corn has to die in order for this stalk, with beautiful stalk, maybe six, eight feet tall, with all sorts of... Does that look like what was planted? Paul said it does not. So here again, we couldn't understand it. But we can understand corn and wheat. And he says our bodies are going to be, it's going to be, this new body is going to be as dramatically different as a little piece of corn and this tremendous corn stalk. Now, our minds, our little feeble minds compared to his, we can get that. But even if he just said, now, this is what it's really going to be like, we would go, uh, okay. We wouldn't have got it. But physically, we, we, we can get those kinds of things. So I hope that helped a little bit on on, on, on some of that. It's hard not to get into 21 and 22 without talking about the resurrection and bodies and Hades and, and, and all of these things, the realm of the dead and so on. And, and as you know, death just means one thing, a what? A separation. Now, here, context. The context, is it physical or is it literal? But all death means is, is a separation. In our case, our body, our spirit, separates from the body. Body laying in the ground, and it's going to decay. But the spirit, faithful, is carried by angels to Abraham's bosom on the other side to await the resurrection in paradise. Paradise. We know what paradise means. It's not ghetto. 
Well, go wait there a while. There's not, not, not uh, paradise. So questions, comments on that? He did. He went there for three days. He was raised, and there was something different about him when he was raised. There were times he was unrecognizable. I don't know what exactly right. he was, but he was something different about him. And, and, and at some point, even he transformed on the way to heaven. He did. So it's the same idea with us. That, that's a great point. Uh, you know, on the road to Emmaus, I don't know how he disguised himself, but they saw it later. And when Mary and Martha came to the tomb, well, this is the gardener. It must be the gardener here. And when we went on the Mount of Transfiguration, well, how did that work for uh, the apostles? They didn't know what to say or do. They didn't know what to say or do, because guess what Peter normally does when he doesn't know what to say or do? Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> and we do that sometimes. We, we, we do that. And uh, God said, you hear my son. But now notice also in that picture, well, we allow me to run a few reps. Um, also, we. Okay. Uh, you may do it. I don't know. Um, who was at the transfiguration talking with Jesus? Elijah and Moses. Well, they're dead. They're dead. Their bodies were dead. They're somewhere. And they were talking and comforting Jesus, these dead men. These dead men who had faults just like we, we do. So something went on when they crossed over. That Moses and Elijah, they were, they were, they, they were still Moses and Elijah. But, and here they're talking and comforting Jesus, these men who had gone to the other side. Uh, it, it, it's a hurry, a hurry, Lance. Yeah. Angels were created on the other side, yet they are able to manifest themselves to man and to talk to man. There's not necessarily a death that happens to them, other than that they they tabernacle uh, uh, and they're in a body temporarily, and then they go back to their spiritual time. Okay. True. We see that in Lot. Lot's case. Look like men. They were just on the street. You wouldn't have known them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ver uh, verse 2. Well, I'd like to get through verse 4 if we could. We start a little bit early, which is a good thing. We're going to need it today, it appears. <laughs> then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, how is the church described? as a bride adorned for her husband in more than one place. It appears that this symbolism is, is this church, the church, the church, a relationship with, with, with God and, and the church in its perfect state is a, is, a, is a bride prepared for her husband. Now you can go to 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 2 you want to read that, you can. It just, I think, solidifies this. You can go to Hebrews 12 and verse 22 where it talks about the bride, paraphrasing, the, the bride coming down from heaven, and he talks about uh, in this great assembly, this 
this church, if you will, this ecclesia, um, this, this festal gathering, if you want to think of it like that too. Um, Revelation 19 and verse 7, just go back a couple of verses. Revelation 19 and verse 7 talks about the bride of Christ and the bride prepared for her husband, meaning the church. Um, and I heard a loud voice. Verse 3, from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God, we've touched on this a little bit, is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be their God. Now, point number one on slide number two, this fellowship with God. It, that's a beautiful picture of our fellowship with God. That his, he's going to live with us. How's that going to work? I don't know. Is he going to have the big house? And we go, I don't know. He's going to be on his throne, and he's going to be among us. And he's going to, we're going to have an intimate relationship with him as our God. And he said, I call you my sons and my daughters. And we know parents and their love for their children. Well, that's a picture with God with us. Is that, is that a good picture? Oh, my. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And verse number four, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Now, I was reading a little comment from a, a child that said, well, God must have a big handkerchief. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's cute in its own way. But if you take that back a step, what causes pain, crying, sorrow, and death? It's called life. It's called life. What this is saying is God's going to take away all those causes. There's not going to be, there's no crying there. You know why there's no crying there? There's no death there. There's no sorrow there. There's no pain there. There's no, what was the other one? Um, yeah, there's not, not any of that. So he doesn't need a big handkerchief. Because the, the root causes are gone. You see that? That makes some sense to you? Okay. Questions or comments on that? Sean? That, that's all that's just all we can do. That's all we can say. Does he have the power to erase these types of things that bad things that we ran into on the earth? Of course he does. Will he do it? I don't know. He could. So you don't remember any of that. Because there's not gonna be any sorrow there. You're not, oh, I wish great grandma and I've got one side of my family like that. Um, wonderful people. 
How's God going to do that? I don't know. But I trust it. I trust him that he's going to make this just like he says. And we're not going to worry about those things. We're not going to worry about those things. Number one, it's we're whittling on his end of the stick. We've got to let God be God. But I'll tell you what, when he says that, it's 100% correct, uh, Greg. Well, that's right. And our family who actually makes bad decisions or when we make bad decisions. You have to live with the consequences. Including eternally. No, absolutely. And we've seen that. I think I used this one other time. But you can take a dart and throw it into that wall there. And, well, there's a dart. And you can remove that dart from the wall. But what's still there? The hole's still there. The consequences of me throwing the dart into the wall when I pull the dart out, it's still there. Still there. But we're free agents. Can you imagine what it would be like if we were just puppets jumping around? And he didn't allow us to make it. You want to make the bad decisions, he'll let you do it. Just know you're going to pay for it at the end. Probably going to pay for some of it here on the earth uh, with disease and you know all these things uh, based on your decision. But at the end, you're going to pay for all that. Lance, you had a comment, sir. Yeah, um, I see your point and wouldn't overly, I hadn't thought about it, honestly, uh, the, the figurative nature of that, but uh, there are, obviously these things are figurative in our lives. Is he making some generic statement that all these things? No, no, I know what you're saying, yes. I just don't know in, in, a, in a book of, of covered with... Um, symbolism that that uh, you can pull one out and call it literal but but it's I see your point and it, it may be a valid point it may be something I, I just hadn't thought about but these things are literal aren't they all, all these things that we suffer I'm going to move on and verse uh, verse 5 then he who sat on the throne uh, beh said behold I make all things new and he said to me right for these things are true and faithful he's used that phrase before true and faithful when God says something, it's true. And when God says something, it's faithful. It will happen. And in all of this beauty and all of this, what we're going to get to here in a second, verse 8, 
that God never exaggerates. Have you ever noticed that in the Bible? You know how to, well, you know, in our house, we got five inches of rain. Well, maybe you did. You know, unless you had a gauge, you don't know. Well, we can exaggerate a little bit. I know a preacher one time said a story that doesn't grow with a telling is a story not worth telling. <laughs> okay. I get it. I get it. Um, God never exaggerates. When he says it's beautiful and all of that, you can book it. That's, it's going to be probably more than what we even think. And when he says it's going to be bad for these folks, it'll be It'll be bad. You know, gold, I, I think I read this right, gold melts at 21 or 2300 degrees. Some of you guys would know all that. Um, how hot's hell going to be? I don't know. But we've got fire on this earth in thousands and thousands of degrees. Water boils at 212. That's going to be a cool day for you. Um... Their book's been written. Don mentioned there's one by Doy Moyer. He talks about, what do you call it, the fires of hell? And he goes through with all and, and makes a whole case in a book on how bad hell's going to be. Um, I'll take his word for it. We, we, we certainly don't want to go there. In verse 6, he says, was that the first bell, by the way? Okay. Uh, it is done, it's finished. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last uh, symbols of, of the Greek alphabet, the beginning and the end. It's over. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Now, we talked about the water of life. Notice that last little few words, and it goes back to what Greg was saying. To him who thirsts. Jesus said, if you thirst, you come to me. Do you have to come to him? Spiritually thirsty? No, you don't. Your call, that's your call. But if you're thirsty spiritually, you can come to me, and I'll give you water, just like he told the woman at the well. Luke 13, I believe. Matthew 13, I forget. Uh, chapter 13, one of those. Um, he who overcomes shall inherit all things. Now notice, when, 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 when we die, our children generally inherit what we have. Well, that, that's, that's great. That's, that's the way it's supposed to be. He says, if you overcome with me, you inherit all things. That, that's, a, that's a great thought right there too, isn't it? That we're going to be his sons and daughters and we're going to inherit his things and be with him. That's a, that's a lot bigger number than we have. But the cowardly, I'm not going to finish this, tornado coming. <laughs> we don't have those here. More rain, I know. This may be the day. <laughs> but then after all of this, and then he goes back to the wonderful again. We're, I can't wait to get to the other wonderful. He says, oh, by the way, verse 8, but the cowardly. The fearful, some, some version. The unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, um, idolaters, and all liars 
shall have their part in the, bur- in the lake which burned with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's a death nobody's getting over. That's the second death. That's it. And it's interesting that this cowardly or fearful, I did a little research on this word. <clears throat> These appear to be Christians who, for whatever reason, don't stand up. They shrink from the cause of truth. They want to blend in. Who's leading this parade? God puts these things in order, I think, for not accidentally. The people leading the parade to hell are the ones who claim to be Christian, who did not stand when they should have stood, did what they should have done for the cause of Christ. Why? They were afraid. They were fearful. And no doubt, in this context here in Revelation, there were people who were fearful of what the emperor was going to do to them. And he's talking about them too. He's talking about us as well. It's hard to stand sometimes. But stand you must. And there are times in my life when I did not stand. Didn't. Particularly younger. You have to be cool. Well, it ain't cool. You have to stand when you need to stand. And he said, if you don't, this parade going to the abyss is going to be led by you. That's a scary one to me. Because I've been there. Been in some of these others, too. Questions or comments on that? Ryan. Okay. We'll get to this on Wednesday and we get through this. So we No, that, that, that that's true. Now that's the that's the fellowship part, if you will. Or in this last verse, the lack of fellowship, because God's not gonna be there in this parade. You're on your own. You're on your own. Now we're going to get to the, the, to the uh, provisions, if you will, and the protection that God's going to describe. God's going to describe how he's going to protect us, if you will, uh, down through verse 9 through about uh, 21 or somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, thank you. Hope, uh, thank you for allowing me to take a little few little detours and answer some questions. But all these things are on our mind one time or another, and uh, it ties in. I think it ties in. But thank you.